the title on my message is Understanding of the Times. And uh, these are the most amazing times to be on this planet. I was thinking uh, if I had another title for the message, it would be The Spirit of Understanding. And I just wanted to start this morning's service by praying. Father, I just thank you for the City Builders community. I thank you for everyone that's watching this morning, the ones that are part of our community, our friends, our families, and even those that are across the other side of the world who are also going through this same stress. Father, I just give you thanks for them. I pray you'd open our hearts, and Lord God, that you would truly give us an understanding of the times. Father, I pray this morning that into each heart there would be an impartation of the spirit of wisdom and the spirit of revelation and the spirit of understanding. Father, I pray that our eyes would be open, the eyes of our understanding, that we would be able to see what you are doing in the earth. Father, we give you thanks in Jesus' name. So I'm sure you'd agree that these are times of incredible, unprecedented shakings. And uh, everything that can be shaken at present is being shaken. Uh, As I said last week, although we believe strongly that God is never the author of confusion, uh, I believe that God is always doing something in the background. It is almost at this point in time that the nations of the earth are being confronted. It's like they've been going down a certain pathway And God's saying, stop, I've got something better for you. I want to ensure you that although you or maybe someone very close to you is being dreadfully shaken, there is always a way forward. God's plans are always for our good. God's plan is always to bring restoration. And he is looking for his partners so that the work of the restoration can go on in the earth. God's plan is always to bring things back to where they should be. God's plan is to always restore that which is broken. And in our own uh, church here, we have testimonies of marriages that have been put back together. And, uh, you know, addicts that have been set free, lives that have been healed. This is a wonderful work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. I want to give you a couple of keys and scriptures that go with them this morning in introduction. Firstly, there is a crisis, and God is at work in that crisis. The verse there that I want you to look at uh, today and also during the week is this. It's Romans 8.28. And it says, All things work together for good for those that love God and are called according to his purpose. In my time, in my life, I've had some things go dreadfully wrong. But if we have the perspective that God wants us to have, we can look back on things that have happened that at the time just seemed absolutely dreadful and terrible. Those things have actually worked uh, together for good. Secondly, God is working in you and I personally today. Ephesians 3 verse 7, it says, I became a servant of this gospel by the gift of God's grace given me through the working of his power. God is always working in the background. Thirdly, God is working in the church. 
Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than we can ever ask or think according to the power at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. I believe that the church is going to play a major part in the restoration work at the end of this crisis. And this is not just a work that is beginning, this is a work that God has done in each one of us and is continually doing through churches like this across the nations. But now, I believe at the end of this crisis is going to be an even more uh, important and critical and powerful work for the church to do. But we need the understanding of the times. And this morning I want to read from 1 Chronicles chapter 12, verse 23. And this is talking about David, the gathering of David's armor, army at a place called Hebron. And God is doing something here. In verse 23 it says, Now there were, these were the numbers of the divisions that were equipped for war and came to David at Hebron to turn over the kingdom of Saul to him, according to the word of the Lord. They just lost their king Saul. But Samuel had anointed David to be king of the nation and something is going on in the background. There's a crisis happening, but God is at work in the hearts of men and the hearts of women. Um, this is happening largely because of the call of God and the eternal purposes of God and the grace of God. God has in his heart, although things don't look really great on the surface... The restoration and the rebuilding of a nation. If you like, it is a reset and a reconfiguration. You know, God has in his heart, and it's been spoken through the prophets, that the temple would be built. And this is symbolic of the house of God. This building that we are in is a house made with human hands, an old stable that's been beautifully renovated and restored. And this is symbolic of the work that is going on here. This verse that I've read is also talking about the future hopes and the establishment of God's kingdom because God is going to use David to take the city of Jerusalem and to bring the ark back to the city of God. This is amazing. Incredible times in God. Just a little bit about Isaac. Isaac was the son of Jacob, one of the 12 tribes of Israel. Do you know what? There are many tribes when you look around, many different types of churches. You know, this is not the only church that people should belong to. I belong to a certain uh, tribe, a certain DNA, a certain flavour. But this verse, uh, passage that I've read to you, talks about the gathering together of a remnant and, you know, when nations go down and when there is societal collapse, it's always a remnant that God brings together to rebuild the nation and to restore the nation. So something's going on here. We need the spirit of wisdom and revelation. We need understanding of the times. Like the sons of Isaac, we need the understanding of our times. And just as importantly... We need to know what to do. And I believe that as we move forward, God is going to give us what we need to know to be part of the rebuild effort. The above story, the above passage relates to a powerful and dynamic national reset. 
And in amongst this crisis that is happening is this God's emergence, the emergence of God's incredible purpose for the nation. You know, most people couldn't see it, but even now behind the scenes, regardless of what men are doing and what men and women are wanting, and regardless of our own priorities and our own response to crisis, God is at work. God's at work in the heart of men, in the heart of women, in the heart of his people. Just when things appear to have gone dreadfully wrong, God is on the move. And I want you to say that in your hearts today, or wherever you are in your lounge room, to say, God is at work in the hearts today. It's very good. Let's talk about the spirit of wisdom and revelation knowledge. Uh, I'll get you to turn to page, uh, to, sorry, to Ephesians chapter 1 verse 15. And this is the prayer of the Apostle Paul over the church in Ephesus. He's praying for a download of a certain characteristic of God's spirit into that community that they needed to prevail in the day. This is, this is what he said. Therefore I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints, do not cease to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers. I just want to add right here, uh, I'm praying for you. I'm praying for our church. I'm praying for our people, for covering and protection. But I'm also praying certain prayers like this. His prayer was that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. Wouldn't that be amazing if we had the spirit of wisdom? Do you know what wisdom is? Wisdom is knowing what to do, what to say, how to respond to certain situations. We really need this gift and this grace in our life. The spirit of revelation, it is like also a dimension of God's spirit, where God actually empowers some people with revelation. It's like they flow in it, it's like a river, and they're part of that. We need to be able to be in that flow of revelation. So his prayer is, I pray, it's like a fervent prayer, I pray that you would have the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. Do you know what? This is not a natural understanding, but this is the knowledge of him. It's like we can know about God, but this is a relational thing. This is, hey, you are my children. You know, this is God's heart to his people you are my children, and I want you to have the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. You know, I was raised in church, and I'm thankful. I'm thankful for the upbringing. But it was like at one stage in my life, God started to reveal things to me. I started to read the Bible, and I would get revelation and understanding. And these were areas that had been blocked to me in the past. 
So Paul's prayer is, I pray that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him, and that the eyes of your understanding may be enlightened. This is powerful. You know, this morning, I want to pray that God would open the eyes of our understanding, that God would give us the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him and that the eyes of our understanding may be open to see what's really going on and to understand things from God's perspective. You know, the epistle of Paul was written out of an amazing experience because what had happened at Paul's conversion... God called Paul up into the heavenlies. And, and, he, and it was such a mind-blowing experience that he said, I don't know whether in the, um, in the body or in the spirit, but, but I know a man who was called up into the third heaven and heard things that are undescribable and inexplicable. This is Paul's experience. And, you know, when he's come back and, you know, uh, he, he's gone through a time of formation in his life where God brought him from being Saul, the one who persecuted the Christians, to Paul, the disciple, to Paul, the apostle. And now he is speaking from a perspective and he's saying, look, God's called me up here. He's shown me this. He's shown me the future. He's shown me the potential. And now I pray that you'd get it. Do you know what I believe that Paul, even in that experience, saw this day? It's like God called him up into the heavens and gave him a widescreen experience of time. And uh, it's amazing. You know, God can open things up for us. But we need the spirit of wisdom and revelation and knowledge and particularly when it relates to this time that we live in. There's a couple of points that I want to raise with you that I believe will really help you, and it will certainly open up for some discussion after this meeting is finished. Some may find these thoughts um, challenging, and I think it's good because we need to be able to really have an understanding of the times that we're living in. I don't ever think that life is ever going to be the same again. It can't be. Because God is turning things around. God is realigning things. He's resetting things. Now, he didn't cause the problem. The problem started in Wuhan, China. And that's where it came from. And, and, you know, the scripture actually says that the thief comes to rob, kill and destroy, but Jesus comes to give life and to give it more abundantly. So this pandemic is the thief. And it's robbing people of their livelihood and, uh, you know, maybe even their health and perhaps even their life and their lives are certainly being shaken about it. But here are some points for discussion in this coming week. Firstly... We must know that we're in an incredible timing of God. Do you know what? There is the, such a thing as being in the right time, right place. Right place, right time. And it's timing. 
You know, if we understand spiritual timing, it really helps us to understand. You know, the sons of Isaac knew the times and the seasons. You know, they, they knew the history. They, they knew the feasts. They were the timekeepers of the nation. You know, because all of the things that happen in the natural are connected to the spirit realm, it is almost like they could give you an understanding of what was coming next. So we must know that we're in the timings of God. I believe that we are at a certain place in God's time clock. We are actually coming to the end of the church age. We're in the end times, the latter days. And if you, if you read Joel chapter 2.28, it says in the uh, last days I'll pour out my spirit on all flesh. Do you know one of the things going to happen after this is that God is going to pour his spirit out on all flesh. This is amazing when you open up Facebook and from the nations, from Italy, you know, to Europe, uh, to, to South um, America, uh, to Israel, we can see people breaking out in absolute worship and prayer in their workplaces. Even those that are in confinement uh, in South America uh, singing uh, the song, Because He Lives, I Can Face Tomorrow. We must know that we're in the incredible timing of God. It says in Galatians chapter 4, verse 7, it says, in the fullness of time, God sent forth his son. It was the fullness of time. The prophets had spoken. There was an expectation in the nation. And in the fullness of time, in the perfect time, God sent forth his son. And history has never been the same again. Do you know what? I believe this incredible timing that we're in is a kairos time. It is a time set by God. In the fullness of time, God sent forth his son. But now, 2,000 years later, it is like God is saying, in the fullness of time, I am going to send forth my sons and my daughters into the earth. It's incredible. We need to understand the times. It's not always the way it looks. God is at work. So number one, we need to know that we're in the incredible timing of God. And we need to pray for that sense of spiritual timing on the inside. It is the spirit of wisdom and it's the spirit of revelation in the knowledge of him. It is the opening of the eyes of our understanding. Number two, it is a time to reset while we're at home. Um, there is a time to be at home. Isaiah 26 verse 20 gives us some firm instruction about how we should handle situations like we're in. Come, my people, enter your chambers and shut your doors behind you. Hide yourself, as it were, for a little moment until this is past, until this indignation. Very wise Old Testament experience. Um, advice so it's a time for us to be in our homes but we need to use that time to reset and to realign our lives ecclesiastes chapter 3 it says to everything there is a season 
and there is a time for every purpose. I want to tell you that God is about his purpose. He is about his agenda and he's doing it on his time clock. And you know what? It doesn't always um, suit our time clock. I had plans. I had holidays plans, an overseas trip planned. I had a conference organised in the stables here. You know, everybody's been going around about their business with their plans, but God now is causing a reset. And already I know of many, many people who are realigning their lives. Our own church has responded so powerfully to morning prayer via Zoom. It's incredible. And, uh, you know, just about everybody in church was at our communion service last night. Why? Because God is getting their attention. So this is a time to reset and it's a time to realign. Now, th with this comes a little bit of a, you know, a little bit of tension in this message because I want to say to you, this is a season in God. Don't miss the season. Don't miss what God's wanting to do. Don't carry on the way that you always have. Don't live the way you always have. Come back to him and, and allow him to reset your priorities. I tell you what, this is a time for families to come together and to pray. This is a time for husbands to lead their wives and to lead their children into, into prayer in their household. Uh, we've been talking about this in the morning prayer. Very powerful. It's time to reset our priorities. You know, maybe it was my kingdom before, but in the future it's got to be his kingdom. You know, the scripture says in Matthew, seek first the kingdom of God. It's a directive from Jesus himself. Seek first the kingdom of God and everything is going to be added to you. You know, uh, supply and provision can be a real concern. But I tell you, you know, if we stay close to Jesus and if we seek first his kingdom, at the end of the day, we're going to do just fine. We just need to trust him and follow him. So this is a time to reset. It's a time to reset our prayer life, to reset our personal priorities. You know, the house must become his priority. Do you know what was on the inside of David? His wildest passion was to bring the ark of God to the house of God. This is amazing. And we need to be like that. Do you know what our wildest ambition, our greatest dream needs to be to make his priorities my priorities? To bring his presence back. You know, sometimes even in ministry, we can have wrong priorities. God doesn't want us to build a ministry around us. He wants us to build, to be co-laborers with him in building his house his way. You know, the scripture says, unless the Lord builds a house, those that labor, labor in vain. Third point this morning. This is a time for all men everywhere to turn their hearts back to him again. Amen? Wherever you've been, you know, I don't know where you may be today or what space you are, have been in or possibly today. 
God is saying to men and women everywhere, I want you to turn your hearts back to me. I want you to repent. I want you to realign. I want you to come right back. You know, before Jesus came uh, 2,000 years ago, God sent a messenger. And it was John the Baptist. And he, his messenger was saying, hey, the Lord is coming. The kingdom of God is coming, but you need to repent. And this is what needs to happen. You know, sometimes repentance is not easy because we've lived uh, a certain way for a long, long time. Uh, so, you know, if we lived away for a long time, it takes time to turn that round. But repentance is a hard attitude. You know, repentance is literally always going that way, which is the wrong way. And I believe this is the way the world has been going on a dramatic pace on a not so good trajectory but repentance is we are going this way and now we are turning around and Jesus we are going to follow you we're going to put you as our number one priority we are going to make prayer in our house the most important thing we are going to prioritize your kingdom and your house you'll find that your life will turn around the kingdom of God must be our priority but Paul prayed and he said, I would pray that you have the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. In other words, you can't prioritize the kingdom the way it needs to unless you can see the kingdom. You've got to be able to see it. Paul's prayer, I pray that the eyes of your understanding would be opened. Can you see the kingdom? Can you see the kingdom? You know, in uh, John chapter 3, Nicodemus was a religious leader and he came to Jesus by night to inquire of him what he must do. And Jesus said to him, you must be born again. He said, if you are not born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. This is amazing. And this is talking about a spiritual rebirth. It is like we're on the inside we come to life again. It happens when we receive Jesus into our life. And his spirit, the spirit of the risen Christ, becomes unified with my spirit and I am now born again. This is a most powerful thing. It's like the eyes of your understanding become opened, enlightened. I pray that every one of our hearers this morning would truly experience this, that you would be born again. 41 years ago on our honeymoon, my wife Lynn and myself were in Sydney grieving after the loss of my niece in a tragic accident. And we ended up at a Billy Graham crusade. And we came forward at the end of the meeting to receive Christ. And it was like our eyes just began to open. We were still grieving. We had a lot of things to work through. But I tell you what, it was the beginning of the most amazing adventure for, for us. And I'm sure for our family that God has added to us. The kingdom of God must be our priority. You know, sometimes we've prioritized religion. But we've never really been born again. 
So the next point is that this is the time to connect to the prophetic move. I want to explain what the prophetic is. In 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 1, you know, 1 Corinthians 13 is the love chapter. And, uh, you know, it's read at a lot of weddings and it's read at uh, funerals. But it is such a beautiful passage of scripture about the love of God and how we are called to live. But in the first verse of the next chapter, the Apostle Paul says, he says to the church, pursue love and desire spiritual gifts, especially that you should prophesy. You know, if I wanted our church to really grow up and to mature in an area, it would be this. Because uh, God has made gifts to the church available so the church can complete its work. And, uh, you know, here he says, it's a, it's a directive. It, it's almost like a command. Pursue love and desire spiritual gifts, especially that you should prophesy. So I'm talking about the prophetic, the prophetic gift, the prophetic lifestyle that we need to begin to pick up. You know, Paul prayed the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. I tell you what the prophetic is. It is like a dynamic that God puts on the inside of you that is connected to him in heaven. And it's like when he moves, you want to move. It's like when he begins to speak, you want to speak. And it, and it comes out of a place of intimacy and knowing that you know that you know that you know that God has spoken. This is the prophetic. You know, I believe that our church is like a prophetic stream that people can become part of. It's amazing, this building. I love this building. In fact, out of all the buildings in the world, I know it's just a building, but I think this is my favourite building. And the reason is is that Lynn and myself visited this city 34 years ago and we had a coffee across the street. And I looked across at the archway out the front there where it says Cobb & Co Stables and in my mind's eye, I had a prophetic vision. And, in, and written across that archway was the words, Jesus is Lord. Uh, I, I said to Lynn, I said, one day there's going to be a church in there. Do you know what that was? It was the prophetic dimension that God was building in my life. And I hardly even knew. But now, 33 and a half years later, that prophetic vision became a reality. Do you know with David, there was a prophetic vision on the inside of him? He knew that his job was to take the city of Jerusalem and to bring the ark to the city of God. It's a prophetic purpose. And really interesting that he gathered people around him to help get the job done. All these sons of the 12 tribes and the sons of Isaac, they were the prophetic bunch. They knew the times and seasons and they knew what to do. We need an understanding of the times and we need to connect properly with the prophetic if I could say what the prophetic is Paul says it right here in the scripture 
He says, I pray that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you, and I'm praying that for you this morning, that he may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him and that your eyes, uh, the eyes of your understanding may be enlightened. Lord, touch my eyes. Lord, make me live on the inside. God, teach me how to connect with what you are doing in heaven. Lord, teach me how to become part of this prophetic river. It's not something that you'll be able to negotiate in this time. Do you know that David, he was a priest and he was a king, but he was also a prophet. And we are called to be like that. I, I believe you can tap into this. It's work for me. I understand it. I can help people with it. But we need to connect properly. You know, down here we have, we have lights working, but down here we have power leads that are joined together. And because the power leads are joined together, work together, everything works. But the minute you disconnect, the light's gone. This is why a lot of Christians are living in the dark and, and maybe living a good life, great family, but maybe religious. And God doesn't want us to stay there. This is time to connect properly. Bring the leads together. See the prophetic begin to flow and the lights come on in your life. It's amazing that Christians, for whatever reason, have not really grown in this way. But in the years, uh, you know, since the Reformation, God is restoring his church and he's restoring the gifts to the church. He's restoring the offices of, of uh, pastor, uh, teacher, evangelist, prophet, apostle. And we're seeing this restoration take place. And we all need this. The immaturity of many is to rely on our own personal resources. It is what we know in our mind. But this is amazing. You know, when this was all coming, I didn't know there was a global pandemic, but on the inside I knew something's coming. Something's coming. There's going to be a change. I spoke about it earlier this year. In the, in the, before it all broke out and I brought a message called The Unprecedented Move of God. If you get a chance, get onto the website and have a listen to it because it was like God prophetically gave me a foretaste of what was to come. Do you know what? Don't settle for religion. Jesus gave the Pharisees a big smackdown. And you know... In this shake, I believe God's going to give some people a smackdown if they don't pay attention to God because God's calling his church back. You can't do it your way anymore. You've got to do it his way. And this is what he said to the religious, to the Pharisees. It's amazing. He said you can't discern the weather. You can discern the weather, but you've got no idea about the signs of the times. You're religious know-it-alls. What a, what a terrible rebuke from the Lord of glory. Are we just religious know-it-alls or are we connected into the flow that is coming from heaven? The flow that I'm calling the prophetic. 
It's an area where we need to grow. We need to, you know, pursue. Paul said, pursue spiritual gifts. Pursue it. You know, especially that you should prophesy. What's that word say? Especially. What's it say? Especially that you should prophesy. It's, it's not a negotiation. You know, the prophetic uh, brings with it the gifts of the Holy Spirit, of discernment, word of knowledge, prophecy. We need to grow and we need to understand. This is how we connect. This is how we develop our inner life. Next point. It is time to be filled with the Spirit. I believe these points may start some healthy discussion around the meal table. And that's what it's all about. It's time to be filled with the Spirit. This Acts chapter 1 verse 8 says, But you shall receive power. This is Jesus' last promise before he departed uh, the planet. And it was to the church. It was to the disciples. And he said... But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. This is amazing stuff. Not long after, the church is gathered in the upper room. And God releases a download from the heavens. They're in one place. And in one accord, and suddenly something happened that changed the course of history. Normal men, normal disciples became apostles of faith. This is my theory that the church started with an apostolic era and the church age will be wrapped up with a similar era. It is like what happened in Jerusalem is going to happen in each city across the nations where people really believe and take that promise for themselves. My friend, Pastor Shea Oluwasola, he says this, the church age, Jesus started the church the way he wanted it, but now he wants it back the way he started it. I think it is a fair comment. You know, the early church wasn't arranged in chairs. You know, but it was people gathered in an upper room, looking to heaven for a download. Man, this, these two points about connecting with the prophetic and being filled with the Holy Spirit, you can't separate them really. It's so important. In Matthew chapter 5, verse 1, you'll read of the parable of the foolish virgins. Over the years, I've seen people negotiate on the Holy Spirit. But this parable talks about ten virgins that were waiting for the bridegroom. But only five filled their lamps with oil and trimmed them. Hey, that's a 50% strike rate. For me... What is the point of giving your life, going to church and missing out because you didn't trim the wicks and fill your lamps? It's talking about the Holy Spirit. Our life, our relationship with the Holy Spirit must be living 
and it must be powerful. And this is what releases us. This is the precursor to growing in the prophetic. I've just got to count my points. Number one, number two, number three, number four, number five. The next one is number six. It's time to connect with his divine purpose. I pray that here in verse 18, the next thing that Paul prays, he says, I pray that you would know what is the hope of your calling, of his calling, and what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints, and what is the exceeding greatness of his power working towards us who believe according to the working of his mighty power. I said before that in the crisis, God is working. God is working his power towards us, the church. And he said, I pray that you would know what is the hope of your calling. I'm praying that for everyone that is listening to this. I pray that you'd get it. Paul was saying, I pray you'd get this. There's so much more than the church we've had. Do you know what I believe God is doing? He's resetting the church. It's like when you belt your computer because it's not working and eventually you press the reset button and try and get the thing functioning properly. This is time for the church to come right back. I pray that you would understand the hope of his calling. It's interesting, we started the year talking about being upgraded in our understanding of our purpose. I had no idea what God had ahead for us, but I believe he's doing it. One of the prophetic words I read on the Elijah list was before upgrade comes shaking. It's like an incredible confirmation. So, divine purpose. How does it happen? It happens when we become connected to the right leadership. You know, we can be connected to natural leadership or we can be connected to spiritual leadership. These men, when they became connected with David, they connected with a greater purpose than they, that they had been previously aware of or not aware of. You know, sometimes we are not connected we don't realise what God work, uh, wants to do or can do because we have not become connected with the right stream or the right source. This is amazing. I wanted to say this this morning. The devil is in the disconnect. Your purpose is not solo. God did not plan you to live that way. When we become connected to the right people, Miracles can happen. Can you hear me? When we become connected to the right people, miracles can happen. When Paul came into Ephesus, there were 12 people in a room. These were the disciples of John. And, and through a process that took just three years, Paul released a dimension of the grace that was on his life onto this group of disciples and it resulted in an absolute uproar and community transformation. You know, Joseph's brothers 
only saw him as an entitled little brother until the supply ran out. But God had a plan. He had a divine call. Can I ask you today, who are you connecting with? Are you going anywhere or are you just flying solo? God doesn't want you to do that. Who are you following? Just you? A charismatic person? Come follow me. Or are you following those who are genuinely following Christ? You must find your man to follow on this earth. You know, Moses was a man in his generation. And because God gave him a promise, a whole nation entered into their destiny. We were able to cross over. Noah was a man that God called and his whole family joined him and found salvation. Nehemiah rebuilt the wall and was a vital part of the restoration of the nation. David was a man, but it's whenever we connect with the right people, we begin to come towards our destiny. This is very powerful. You know, this church, it looks a bit like an ark. Not everybody in the city is called to be part of us, but I believe that many, many people in this city are called. And I want to say to them this morning, come home. Come home. Come and begin to connect with your destiny in this house. You know, it is amazing. I met my spiritual father 26 years ago. I had no idea with what was about ready to happen, but God took me on an incredible journey. And this is a divine call. The last point this morning is this. The ultimate man is the one we must receive into our lives. Jesus. We must be born again of the Spirit. There's no other way to be saved. There are no other religious options. Jesus said about himself, unless a man is born again, no one will see the kingdom of God. Jesus said about himself, I am the way, the truth and the life. No man comes to the Father unless he comes through me. Jesus also said this in Revelation chapter 3. It says, Behold, if any man hears my voice and opens the door of his life, I'll come in and I'll live in him. What an amazing thing. I believe that God wants to do that with so many people this morning. Maybe some of the children that have grown up in our church for the very first time really want to uh, open their life up and invite Jesus in. Maybe people who are watching, friends in the city, family, relatives, who are hearing this message loud and clear. Where do I need to start with this? God, give me this understanding of the times. Give me that relationship that Pastor Brian's talking about. Father, we thank you 
for today. We thank you for your word as it goes out. Lord God, that would be like a sharp, two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of the soul and the spirit. Father, I pray that many that are hearing this word right now would be given the grace to turn to you. I'm wondering if you would be prepared to pray these words after me. It's called the sinner's prayer. The most powerful, life-changing prayer any man or woman could pray. Pray after me. Dear Heavenly Father, I come to you in prayer asking for the forgiveness of my sins. I confess with my mouth and believe in my heart that Jesus is your Son and that he died on the cross at Calvary that I might be forgiven and have eternal life in the kingdom of heaven. Father, I believe that Jesus rose from the dead. And I ask you right now to come into my life and to be my personal Lord and Saviour. I repent of my sins and will worship you all the days of my life. Because your word is truth. I confess with my mouth that I am born again and I am cleansed by the blood of Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to this message. And if you prayed that prayer, please feel free to contact us through our website and we would just like to be able to help you get started and just find your way with this whole thing. There is a crisis going on out there. But honestly, God has a plan for you and he has made a way for you. God bless you. Amen.